Thank you so much for joining us for this week's message from Real Life Community, where we talk about connecting with God and others, growing in Christ-likeness, and sharing God's life with the world. My name is Sarah Comer, and I serve each week as Connections Pastor, making sure that you know that there is a God and a community that loves you and wants to go through the seasons of life with you. You can find us at reallifecommunity.org, and we would love to meet you on Facebook or Instagram. Until then, we hope this message meets you right where you are and helps you know just how deep the Father's love is for you. Hey, it is good to see our college students back in the house. Come on, real life. You may not recognize them because some of them cut their hair. <laughs> and uh, But it is so good. I tell you what, it was a joy this week just to walk the halls at Trevecca Nazarene University, and uh, that's where Christy and I got to spend two days, and uh, I'm so thankful for the Cranfords and for Sierra and for Colin, who just were present on campus. Um, I love college students. Uh, they are just, you guys are a gift of life to us, so thank you. In fact, I was talking to them before service, and summer just doesn't feel quite right without our college students. That's partly, the, uh, you know, the void that we experience, but uh can I just say this? I, I'm going to speak from the, the Trebekah side of things because that's where Christy and I were. Uh, there are college students descending on Middle Tennessee, not just Middle Tennessee State University, but the whole area. They're coming from, I, we met a young lady from Guam, Alaska, Honduras, um, Vermont, New Mexico, California, Ireland, um, those are some of the ones that we got to meet, and they are all here for a reason. In fact, some of them I said, so how did you end up here at Trevecca? And they said, it just kind of all fit, fit together just right. And one young man that we met, he and his family had never set foot in the state of Tennessee until he moved in on Tuesday. And uh, I that's, that's a great story that we got to share with them, um, and just to see how God moves people uh, and helps people come together for a reason. Uh, a couple things that I'd like you to be praying with us about. Uh, a young man who visited us this summer with his mom, uh, he moved in on Tuesday, and his mom couldn't help him because she was in the hospital at Vanderbilt uh, with covid and she's still there. And so would you be praying for the Strickland family as uh, mom is there uh, in the hospital uh, and just needs some really divine intervention in, in her life? Uh, there's another young lady that I'd love for you to be praying for, and I don't remember her name, but uh, she moved in on Tuesday and buried her father the Thursday before. He uh, passed away to COVID, and so I can't imagine being a student who lays your father to rest on Thursday and less than a week away moves uh, states away to become a student in college. Uh, she needs our prayer support. So would you pray for both of these situations, and uh, we'll keep you updated on things as they go. Be praying for our Between the Eights ministry. It's uh, an important part of who we are and what we do here. Hey, take a second, turn to the people next to you. If you were to go anywhere for lunch on Sunday, where would you go? Go.
Well, I wish I had a short-term memory. Wish the only thing my eyes could see was the future burning bright right in front of me. But I can't stop looking back. Yeah, I wish I was a perfect picture of somebody who's never not good enough. But I try to measure up, but I mess it up. And I wish I wasn't like that. I wish I wasn't wishing anymore. Wish I could remember that my body's keeping score. I'm tired of throwing pennies in a well. I gotta do something. Here goes nothing. All right. All right. Uh, it, give me some shout outs. Where, you, where, where would you go? Texas Roadhouse. Chick fil A. <laughs> Good luck with that one. Where? Olive Garden. Samurai's Cuisine. Nukes. <laughs> anywhere except the Trebekah Cafeteria. Says every college student anywhere. Anyone else? Sonic. Sonic? What is it? The alley. Blue Coast. Mmm. Culver's. Ooh. Cheesecake Factory. Now that we've got you all really, really hungry, <laughs> welcome to real life, right? Because all of you have, uh, your stomachs are, you know, churning as they are. But um, it is good to have our kids in the room with us today for Family Sunday. It's great to have all of you online with us. Uh, take a moment and just drop us a hello in the chat uh, section of where you're watching us. We just would love to interact with you that way. So hello to all of our online folk. Well, this morning is a continuation of what Pastor Christie shared with us two weeks ago. Last week, we were at Church in the Park, which was amazing, right? None of you thought that. Uh, but it was fun just to worship together with our other borough churches, um, and we're going to be doing some more of that. But this morning, I, I want you to grab your Bibles in whatever form you have them and turn with me to God, John's Gospel, the 15th chapter. John's Gospel, the 15th chapter. We're going to follow this uh, narrative, this parable, really, that Jesus speaks into the life of those who were listening that day talking about a vine and its branches. And my prayer has been this week that each and every one of us would be able to take a moment today and evaluate where we are in connection to the vine in our life. So this morning, I'd like to read out of the New Living Translation uh, the first 11 verses. Here is the word of the Lord for us today. I am the true grapevine. This is Jesus speaking. I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. 
Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. That may be one of the primary verses that people take out of context more than any other verse in scripture. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my father. I have loved you even as the father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love just as I obey my father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is the word of God for, hmm, for the people of God, for the world, for those around us. And we all say together, thank you, Jesus. Jesus was a storyteller. This is what many people loved about him. But it was also the thing that confounded people because sometimes they didn't understand his stories. He uh, used narrative to communicate the things he was trying to communicate to those that had gathered around him, his disciples, the Romans, uh, those who were close to him and those who were far from him. His stories always had a point to them. We can take his stories at face value and they'll make some sense. But there always seems to be a backstory to what he is saying to those who are paying attention. In this parable, Jesus describes himself as a vine, a man, a main line from which many branches will emerge. This past spring, Christy and I were walking through the garden center at Lowe's looking for a plant that would fill this big plastic pot that we've had for years. Uh, A lot of different things have found their home in this pot, and we kill almost all of it. Uh, we try to keep it alive, but invariably it dies. So we were looking for something that would be hardy, that would be beautiful, that would uh, go in this pot. The pot's about this big around. And we just wanted something on the front side of our house that would just add some beauty and color to our home. So Christy was the one who spied the plant that she knew she wanted. We had no idea what it was. All we knew is it promised, it promised flowers, beautiful flowers, uh, and just, it, it was really cool looking. We, we wondered, it looked, and it was a good deal. That's always a good in my book. So a good deal and beauty. So we bought this plant, we brought it home, we planted it in the pot, you know, the killing pot, and... <laughs> And uh, we just kind of watered it like you're supposed to. And uh, we just kind of said, well, let's see where this one goes. Well, this is where this one went. This is a picture of part of the plant that's on the front of our house. Uh, Some of you probably know what it is. I'm not a green thumb. I just know it's a plant. I know it has flowers and leaves. That's all I know. So you can come up and tell me what it is, and I'll appreciate that. Um, But we have enjoyed this plant this year 
because it has done far better than anything we've ever put in that pot. And it's done things that we didn't realize it was going to do. It was, has been creative for us, and we have enjoyed it. I've grown to love this plant because it wants to overflow its container. We didn't realize this, but this plant was going to produce vines. Uh, these little branches that would come off of something in the plant somewhere. I don't know where they begin, but it was, became pretty evident at one point that these vines were starting to creep out from the containment. And so, like we know how to do in all of our expertise as plants, uh, we thought, well, why don't we give some direction to these vines? So we stuck this shepherd's hook type of thing in the plant, and we started the vine uh, around the, the thing, and it started creeping up the support. And it now is reaching off of the support. It is, it, it's running wild. But you see, there was also another part of the vine that we decided not to do anything with. We just kind of left it in the pot, in the plant, and you know, to fend for itself. And this is what we've discovered. The vine that we have tended is doing much better than the vine that we just kind of left to do its own thing. The one that we left to do its own thing kind of is swirling around. It's creeping through its own self and it's getting kind of a jumbled mess. But the one that is shown here uh, coming off of the top is, it's beautiful. You know, this plant has become kind of a metaphor for me when it comes to us as the church. We are at our best when we have someone tending to us. And at our best, we want to creep out of our boundaries, our barriers. We want to go on a journey. It, it makes me think of the, the, uh, the quote become one of my favorite quotes. You see it on shirts at times, but it says this, not all who wander are lost. Sometimes we have got to go a wandering because in our wandering, we are discovering our potential. So there's two things that we've learned about uh, the vines. One, the vines uh, break out and go wandering. And two, the vines get caught in the plant and stay confined. I don't want to be a plant I don't want to be a person, a follower of Jesus that kind of just gets stuck in, our, in, in myself. I, I, I want the tender of the vine to form me and shape me and direct me in ways that I cannot comprehend myself, but the one with the perspective does. So Christy and I have learned to tend the vines uh, with this plant, but we're also on this ongoing journey of learning how to tend ourselves. We have to give direction to their growth, and we need to give direction to our growth. Um, so to follow the parable of Jesus with our picture here, Jesus is the plant that we acquired at Lowe's that day, and we are the vines. All of us need tending to by someone who has a better perspective than what we have the capability of pulling together. Where the plant differs from you and I, and it's a huge one, 
is a significant difference where you and I differ from the plant is that you and I have the ability to say no to the one who is wanting to form us, shape us, tend us, direct us. We have the ability to say to God, no, I don't want you interfering with my life. I want to do my own thing. Leave me alone. You and I get to choose every day whether to agree with the tending or to fight the tending. The reality that you and I have to come to terms with is this. Will you submit to the tending of God? Now, before you answer that too quickly, and I gave a really long pause, so some of you probably answered in your hearts, but recognize this. When we submit ourselves to the tending of God, we are saying to God, do with me what you want. And folks, you and I both know sometimes God has different plans for us than we have for ourselves. Are you willing to submit to the tending of God? That word tend that I'm using here has two other words that are used in Scripture from time to time. They are the word prune and they are the word cleanse. Are you willing to allow God to prune you? Are you, allow, are you um, willing to submit to God's cleansing in you? All three of these words describe actions done for the purpose of bringing about more abundant and whole life. Early on, when I started thinking about pruning a tree, the only context in my mind was, I'm going to cut off the stuff that I don't think that should be there. Little did I realize that really the pruning is not about cutting off and cutting away. It's about creating a better environment for growth. And in this passage of scripture, we're going to get to in a second, God says that he is going to remove the branches that don't bear fruit. Are you willing to be like the vine in the plant out front of our house and allow the one tending to do what God knows best? It comes down to a trust thing. Do we trust God? Do we believe in God's ability to do something in us that really, we, we just know that God has our best interest at heart better than we do? At the very heart of of what Jesus is calling you and I to do is to abide in the vine, to abide in him. The resurrected son of God seems to think that if you stick with him, you're going to be all right. You're probably going to be better than all right. You are going to bear fruit that is not possible if you take it under your own strength and intellect and understanding and power. And he isn't talking about just sticking with Jesus when things are tough. We know how to do that. We know how to go to prayer when things are chaotic, when things are falling apart. We know how to go to the feet of Jesus and say, Jesus, I need you. But the question is when things are going well, are we still the kind of people who recognize that we are still a part of a vine? We are abiding in Jesus. We need to be as tuned into Jesus in the good times as we are in the bad times. Our, our, we need to remember that a life lived apart from the continuing abiding presence of God is a life headed towards disconnect from the vine. And that vine is Jesus. 
let's be really honest for a moment. There's a part of this passage that most of us would rather just gloss over because we're not quite sure we like where that's taking us. We don't understand it, so we're just going to forget about it. We, we don't really want to spend time there because the ramifications of what that might mean are something we just aren't too comfortable with. In this passage, God says that he is going to remove any branch that does not bear fruit. And I'm not sure if this sounds very good. I'm not sure if I like where this is going. Our tendency with Scripture is oftentimes when we find stuff that we aren't sure about, um, we, sometimes we're sure about it and we know we don't like it, we just kind of ignore the things that we don't understand or we don't want to deal with. We, we brush it to the side. We might as well just rip that out of the Bible because we don't want that to apply to our lives. Church, why is it that we want God to overlook the very things that God knows are detrimental to us? Why do we want to argue with God about those things that we know in our heart of hearts, if, you, if we just were to do a great self-evaluation, we just know those things are not good for us, but yet we argue with God about allowing those to exist in our life. Why do we do that? Parents, does it make sense for us to ignore those things that our kids are involved in that we know can lead to brokenness and destructions simply because our kids think that they are somehow immune to the effects of those things? Parents, we're not going to just overlook. Now, there are times, let's be honest, there are times, and kids, you can listen in on this one. This includes college students. This includes adult kids. This includes all of us. Sometimes you and I don't want to hear from our parents because we think they're old. We think they don't know best. Uh, they, they don't know what it means to be in our shoes. And sometimes we are really good at saying, Mom and Dad, butt out. I don't want you to be involved in this situation. I don't want you to speak to, what, uh, uh, to who I'm dating or how I'm living or the things that I'm doing. I don't want you to speak to those because somehow we think that our parents are just trying to steal the joy from us. But I don't know any good parents out there who are trying to steal joy. They're trying to actually help, our, help us find more joy. And sometimes that looks like speaking into us things that we don't want to hear. That's not just with our parents, our earthly parents. It's with our Heavenly Father as well. Sometimes we argue with God. And sometimes we don't actually you know, verbally argue. Sometimes we just do it with our actions and our life. We turn away and we go our own way because we think we know best. And we know that God's going to be there if things go south and we need him in the end. And so we just kind of abuse God's grace that way. But church, we have got to get back to this understanding that God wants great things for us. He wants us to stay connected to the vine so that he can bear fruit in us. Here's another question that I have. Why is it that we blame God when what we choose goes poorly? There could be some amens there because it's something that happens every single day. We don't want what God wants for us, so we do our own thing. And when that goes south, we blame God for letting that happen in our life. 
we don't want God forcing us to do anything. And God lets us do anything. But folks, let's call, let's call ourselves to the table here. Because we cannot blame God for our own choices. But we can thank God that he's going to be there in the end. I love the song that we sang at the end. It talked about a hundred billion times God's going to come back and be there for us. But folks, I don't want, I don't want to be abusing God's grace. I want to be the person who recognizes who God is, what God wants, and I live into that. That's called abiding with Jesus. That's abiding in the vine. That's staying connected. But let's come back to the hard part of this verse. At what point do I get removed because there is no fruit in my life? Where does the line get drawn? And what does getting removed look like? This is where we all just had our anxiety levels step up a bit. Because we're not quite sure if we really want God to answer these questions. I don't like the idea of being removed by God. I don't like the idea of being cut off because I'm not bearing fruit. I don't like that idea. In fact, I don't like that conception of a God who would do that. But I had a conversation with someone not too long ago about the things that God is responsible for. Here's where analogies always break down at some point. When we talk about branches connected to a vine, those branches don't actually have the ability to disconnect themselves. Uh, Their disconnection comes as a result of high winds, um, someone breaking off a branch, and they become disconnected. But when we start thinking about our own lives, when I think about our spiritual lives, I I don't think that God has to do much cutting off because we do that work ourselves. I love bonfires. I love the imagery uh, in this passage of Scripture about things getting... I, I like part of the imagery. I like bonfires. I don't like the idea of me being one cast into the bonfire But there's something about fires that I I absolutely love, and it holds true to the imagery here. You take a burning ember from a fire, and you pull it away from the fire. What happens to that ember? It dies out. It loses its heat. It becomes cold. It becomes black. It becomes bleh. This is the same for us. I think sometimes we are so good at removing ourselves from the fire that we, God doesn't even have to push us out. Sometimes we blame God for his, his want to just kind of cast us to hell. But the reality is, I, I don't think that that's what God wants at all. I think we do most of the work of separating ourselves from the fullness of God. And it's about being cut off from the vine. Church, today, are you willing to abide in the vine See, another part that I, there's a question that I think we need to wrestle with. Um, Some of the times we ask, you know, how, where is the line between those who are going to stay on the vine and those that are going to get cut off? Uh, I don't like that question. And this is why I don't like the question. 
if we, I think the motivation behind the question is I want to know where that line is so that I know how f- close to that line I can get without crossing over. It's like as a youth pastor, p- kids were, would ask me, uh, Pastor Jeremy, they call me PJ, PJ, um, so like, what can I do with my girlfriend before God gets mad at me? And I would say, you're asking the wrong question. Well, what do you mean? I said, the question shouldn't be, how close to the line can you get? The question should be, what can I do to help my girlfriend fall in love with Jesus even more than I do? How can I be thinking about, what can I do to build her up instead of tear her down, to take advantage of of her? You know, when we start asking where the lines are, we need to ask ourselves, are we asking the question so that we know how, far, how close we can get without going over the cliff? And I think the heart, the answer at the heart of it is yes, I think that is the line. I think in some ways we also ask the question, well, I want to know when Jesus is going to come back. I want to know when that line is. I think sometimes we ask the question because I want to live my life to my own standards as long as I can. So if I know that Jesus is coming back this Thursday at, at noon, I'm going to do my thing until 11.59. And 11.59.30, I'm going to pray a good prayer and I'm going to be in. That's not the holy life, church. That is not the life that God has called us. That is not abiding in Christ because, you see, when we ask for where the line is, what we're saying is how far away from the vine, from the main line, can I get and still be a part of it? It's like saying... How far outside the house can I get and still live in it? That doesn't make sense. But we ask the question. And you see, God uses language more. He doesn't use so much house language. He uses kingdom language. Picture yourself a part of the kingdom of God, and the question shouldn't be how far out from the heart of the kingdom can I get? The question is how can I abide fully in the midst of what God wants to do in my life? Are you abiding in Christ today? To abide is to live as close to the vine as we can. It's about if, you know, if, if this is, the, if this is the, the main line, if this is Jesus, if this is the vine, it's not about how far can I, can I reach and still kind of, no, it's a, Jesus, I'm, I'm right here. What do you have for me? What do you want to do in my life? What truth do you have to speak into me? What things do you need to mess up in my life? What, what, what needs to happen? What do you want to do here? Because I want to be right here with you. And there's a great promise that Jesus gives us. It's this, abide in me as I abide in you. It's this cycle. Sometimes we talk about crazy cycles. You know, when one thing happens, it causes another thing to happen, and that thing causes it to kind of get worse, and we go back. We did a, a, a seminar at our last church for, uh, for couples, and it talked about the crazy cycle. And it's this. Um, men love to be respected, and women love to be loved. So if men, we'll start with them, if men feel respected by their spouses, um, then they are, tend to be much more apt to, to show love to them. And when women feel like they are loved by their husbands, they are much more likely to want to respect them. And so that's a great thing, right? Until it's not. 
And when there's a break in that and uh, uh, a husband doesn't feel respected or a wife doesn't feel loved, then we've got this crazy cycle that's just kind of spinning out of control. And the reality is at some point we've got to draw a line and we have to jump back in and we need to start respecting and loving each other. Because that seems to be the cycle that brings about life and health in our, in our relationships. And it's like that with Jesus. Jesus says, abide in me as I abide in you. And if you're not abiding me, get back in the, in the cycle because I'm right here. Jesus says, I'm right here. I'm right here and I want to do a work in you that is far greater than you could ever hope for or imagine. And, and as I am in you, live into that. Allow that to form you and shape you and, 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 and bear fruit in your life. And as that happens, you're just going to have this desire to, to be connected to me more and more and more. And we keep going back and forth and round and round and round. Let me mention something about staying connected to the vine. When we decide to remove ourselves from the vine, let us not blame for God. Let us not blame God for our own disconnect. Let's start putting, let's start owning our part in this relationship. Recognizing that God is always there. The vine is always there. So, church, God has given us his word. Uh, many of you have it in your hands still, uh, on your phone, on your iPad, whatever, your scroll. Um, God has given us this to, to give us life. I don't want to get cut off. But for me to, to dig into Jesus because I'm fearful of getting cut off is really the wrong motivation. Anytime your faith is motivated by fear, that is not something that comes from Christ. Now, you're like, yeah, but Pastor Jeremy, Scripture says to fear the Lord. Uh, we need to understand the language that's used in Scripture. We need to understand that what Scripture is saying, we need to learn how to respect, live into, understand ourselves in connection to this Jesus. But when we're like, ah, I'm afraid of going to hell, so therefore I'm going to love Jesus. That is a motivational factor that is used out there. But can I just say this? Jesus says, I want to abide in you. I want to live in you. Jesus says, I love you. That to me helps me want to love him in return. I'll tell you, when Christy and I are at our best, it's when we consciously love each other. That's not always easy at times. Sometimes I'm pretty hard to love. And she has grace that goes far beyond what I deserve sometimes. But when we are in love with each other, and that's not just a feeling, that's a choice. When we love each other, it goes far better. If she were to conduct herself in such a way that makes me fearful of her, that usually doesn't go very good for our relationship. That actually kind of turns me off. Now, disclaimer, Christy doesn't do that. Christy goes out of her way to love me. 
to lay down her life for me as I lay my life down for her. And guys, can I just remind you, it is our responsibility to love our wives as Christ loved the church. Sometimes we don't do a very good job of that. But as Christ abides in us, we are better able to do that. So this morning, let's do a little garden inventory. How do you see yourself? Do you see yourself right there connected to the vine? The flowers are blooming. Uh, the vine is, is just going where God wants it to go. And uh, it's, it's lush, it's green, the, the, the fruit is just amazing. Or do you find yourself that other vine in our plant at home that seems to just kind of be spiraling in itself? Do you find yourself really wrestling with whether or not you, you want to reconnect to that vine? You might be here today and you're like, ah, it's been a rough patch and I just don't know anymore. Church, stand with me. Close your eyes with me. I want you, you to picture something. I want you to picture Jesus, the true vine, standing in front of you, looking you square in the face. To start with, uh, pick your eyes up. Lift your chin. Some of you, I'm afraid, started off with your head looking down because you're ashamed to look at the God who has gone to great lengths to love you. You're ashamed of where you're at, what you've been up to, the things you've been thinking, the things you've been doing. But let, let's start this visualization with our chins up, our eyes looking back into the eyes of Jesus. These are eyes of compassion looking at you. They are eyes of invitation, saying, come, abide in me. Some of you maybe are thinking about all of the things that lie lined up behind you, that you know that if you fully dwell in Christ, that's going to affect all of these things behind you. Uh, square your shoulders up to the shoulders of Jesus. Don't put one shoulder to Jesus and the other shoulder to all the things. I want you to square up to Jesus this morning. And again, look into the eyes of compassion, the eyes of love, the eyes of the one who is saying, come abide in me. Do you realize that in this moment, Jesus is more concerned about you then Jesus is concerned about all the stuff that's going to have to get dealt with. You are the focus of Christ's attention right now. So put the other stuff to the side for just a second. Don't worry about that right now. Think only about Jesus, the true vine. Don't worry about whether or not you're going to be one that's going to be cut off, whatever that looks like and whatever that means. 
Don't worry about that right now. Worry about Jesus. And I'm going to pray here, and I want you to listen for what Jesus might be saying to you today. Don't take your eyes off Jesus. Heavenly Father, this morning, I pray that as we look into your eyes, that we would hear clearly your voice speaking directly to us. God, I pray that you would speak words of love and affirmation into us that would cover over all of the stuff, all of the other voices that are trying to pull us away from the vine. God, I pray that today you would say to us the very thing that we need to hear. God, what do you want to say to us today, each one of us? Thank you, Jesus. God, we're looking in your eyes, but you know that there's stuff that we're also thinking about. God, I just pray that today you would give us your spirit to deal with that stuff, that we might be a people abiding in you first and foremost. So if this means you need to mess us up, Lord, we ask that you do that. If you need to turn everything upside down in our lives, this is a dangerous prayer to pray, but I pray it on behalf of this church at real life, dear God, we pray that you would have your way in us. And God, I pray for those things that just repeatedly come back and pull us away from abiding in you. God, help us deal with that. We love you today. And we need you, probably more than ever. So God... We are the branches. You are the vine. Tend us, Lord, today. And may we bear fruit in our own lives and in the lives that we live outside of the quiet place. We pray this in your name. And God's people said, amen. Church, open your hands to receive from God this morning. I'm guessing you've already received some things. Uh, the words of John chapter 15 are pretty powerful for us. And my prayer as one of your pastors is this. May you recognize how wide and how deep is the love of God for you. And I know that there's things that are dr dragging your attention away from Jesus. I know that. But know this. The God who is able to do immeasurably more than you could ever hope for or imagine is the God who is staring you in the face and loves you. Go and live in that love and may it transform everything that you are and everything that you do. And may we be a people of the vine. In his name, be blessed this week. Be a blessing until we meet again.
Thank you for joining us today. We would love for you to join us in person. Our address is 2022 East Main Street in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. If you would like to make a donation to keep our podcast ministry going, you can do so online at reallifecommunity.org slash give. Thanks again for listening.